Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hello from the Row Crop Short Course and Start. Well, Tom and I had the opportunity to catch Jason Crutes, who is the director of the Water Resource Institute. Is that right? Mississippi Water Resources Research Institute. And Drew Golson. Drew's our director of the what we affectionately refer to as the West Farm in Stoneville, which is the National Center for Alluvial Aquifer Research. Or NCAR. NCAR. That's right. NCAR. Or, or the alpha, West Farm. Alphabet Soup. Monsanto Farm. Goes by goes by a variety of names. We've been trying to get this together for a while, and Crutes keeps going deer hunting, and so we finally were able to come to him and nail him down. So <laughs> right, he, three of us had to drive to Starkville. He kept tempting us with coming to Stoneville or coming back to Stoneville, and he wouldn't do it, and so now we came to him. Now, you two guys are unique in the time that we've all been doing this, you two, to my knowledge, are the two irrigation specialists that were agronomists. You know, oftentimes those positions are, are engineers, and I may be completely speaking out of turn. And then, of course, Jason has moved over here and taken on a different role, and then Drew took your program and, and has built off of that. So I think Mississippi's kind of at least in the south, one of the, the leaders in this area, which is a pretty new area of, of focus for agronomy. In the discipline of agronomy, maybe not focused on you know, water water use and those types of things previously. So the connection that these two guys have is they both went to Texas A&M. Jason obviously is like 30 years older than Drew. <laughs> uh, so, so they didn't overlap at Texas A&M. But they did both go to a So, Drew, I couldn't think of a better question, so I'm going to ask you. I wanted to ask Crutes, but I'm going to ask you, how far do you think it is from, like, Corpus Christi to Dalhart? Corpus Christi to Dalhart. I don't know. A long – I have no idea. 16-hour drive. Tom, you lived in Texas. You want to weigh in on that? I don't know how far that is, but I do know, and I did look this up. And I think this is correct. If you go from the tip of the Panhandle, which would have been north of Amarillo, all the way down to Brownsville, the distance from the tip of the Panhandle to Brownsville was further than it was from Amarillo to Atlanta. That's true. Mm-hmm. Now the well, reason I've heard, it, I've heard it described, it was further that that distance that you just described was longer than the distance from the the tip of the Panhandle to Canada. Yeah. And the reason I knew that was there were jobs to be open at Texas A&M when I worked for A&M that would be in Brownsville. And Tracy would always pipe up and say, well, how far is that from here? And I said, well, it just happens to be further from here than it is from where you lived in Georgia when you moved to Amarillo. It's an inconvenient commute. Especially when you work within the Texas A&M system and you have to be somewhere else in the states. kind of a big state. Yeah, I do know. So when I was in College Station – if you were to drive, which I wouldn't suggest driving to California or going, to, but if you were to drive to California, halfway is El Paso, Texas. So you're still in Texas. Still you're in halfway Texas. Cal- so point B in Texas is a big state. It's big. Crutes, I've never known you to meet words you didn't like to use and you hadn't said a word. I- I'm waiting for a question. <laughs> <laughs> I think we definitely want to talk about the water center at Stoneville and then we'll build out the conversation from there so why don't y'all take a few minutes talk about the water center a little bit of history of that because it's kind of a unique center that we have over there in stoneville 
And I think we get a lot of questions about the difference between the two right. institute versus the center. I, I, we overlap a lot. We work together on the exact same things on projects and, and a lot of the same focus, but we, we have a little bit of different, I guess, I mean, we have different for sure focus and you're a little bit broader in water mm -hmm. than I am. But, uh, w one of them, well, so I just start off with in car or the, the, the center in the, in the Delta located in Stoneville is a collaborative effort between Mississippi State University and USDA ARS that was, um, that was put together legislative dollars that were put specifically for focusing on the Mississippi river alluvial aquifer, uh, that kind of, uh, covers the geographic area of the lower Mississippi river basin. So from boot Hill of Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, and, and into Louisiana, and that luvial aquifer is is our focus. So, and that that includes you know water use, uh, which you know the drawdown of the aquifer is, is is the concern and the source of the the reasons why we're there. And so we're focused on increasing water use efficiency, increasing the adoption of practices for water use efficiency, looking at other ways to to bring that aquifer back into. Um, or, or, or lessening the drawdown, so recharge, uh, using alternate water supply sources, but that's, that's our focus. The Mississippi Water Resources Research Institute is, and there is some things that we overlap, and where we overlap, we, we work intimately um, with NCAR uh, on those projects. Uh, but so our scope and, and the base funding for the program uh, that I run out of Mississippi State is from the United States Geological Survey instead of ARS. So that's one of the differences is that we're a collaborative effort with USGS. And uh, our charge is to address uh, state and regional water problems. And as Drew uh, alluded to, it's a little bit broader in scope. So on staff with us, we have three. Uh, it's me and, uh, you know, I have a background in pesticide fate and transport along with irrigation management and uh, really have a classical education uh, from the University of Arkansas in, in soil, soil chemistry. And then we have... Um, and so my interests still are, you know, water quantity and quality issues. And so that's one of the things that we work on at the Institute. And then we have uh, Dave Spencer on staff. And Dave has an undergrad degree in civil engineering and then has a uh, Ph.D. from Mississippi State in agriculture, but is in water management and actually worked uh, with the two of us on his Ph.D. program. But he really kind of brings a unique uh, set to it because, as you alluded to earlier, Jason, that historically these have been um, ag engineers in these jobs and very few um, irrigation management folks have been from more of an agronomy background. And so Dave kind of uh, slices across those. And that, that's actually one of the reasons we really tried to recruit him to the state was to do that. We, we felt like it would be a great opportunity to have somebody that was trained as a civil engineer and then cross-train to understand how agronomists tackle problems because they are radically different. And so he's on staff there at the Institute dealing with uh, water quantity and quality issues, split appointment uh, with MAFIS and extension, and really have him focusing so we don't really overlap too much in this one area with NCAR, with uh, Dave trying to address, from an irrigation management standpoint, the, uh, the prairie. And, and pivot utilization and maximizing that, but he's always constant, you know, conversations about how to do that within core. And um, 
And then we recently brought uh, Zach Reynolds on staff with us as well. <clears throat> Zach has a degree in agronomy from here uh, with an emphasis in weed science, but he spent about a decade um, in the private sector uh, looking at precision ag type aspects. And so part of the, the aim for that was to bring some of the precision ag, fertility management, placement, et cetera, coupled with Dave Spencer from the transport issue to to kind of uh, improve the agronomics of our production systems while concurrently reducing nutrient transport. And so uh, those are the three agronomic agronomy folks there. So myself, uh, Dave Spencer, Zach Reynolds, and then we have a fourth person on staff, Jason Barrett. Barrett's responsibilities are related to uh, drinking water and wastewater. And so he does a number of programs that have a lot of outside funding from EPA, uh, looking at things like, uh, for example, you know, lead in drinking water across the state. He samples that a lot and then is moving into some projects now. And it, when we find situations like that, how do you, uh, what reclamation procedures uh, could we put in place to address issues like that? So those, those are the four folks that we have on staff right now from PhD level addressing state and uh, regional water issues uh, across our area. Well, and you would say this is a fairly new set of programs, not just at Mississippi State, but from a regional perspective. Can you elaborate on really how most of that came about and the need for that type of research? All right, so these are perceptions then. So, I mean, we'll go back uh, and, and sidebar me if this isn't more. We're talking about how these came about. But this is my perception how this came about is that, you know, I, my career started as a USDA ARS scientist in Stoneville, Mississippi, and I loved it. And uh, I, I still love my time there. I think I did that for about eight years. And uh, I was focused on pesticide fate and transport. And that whole time, the aquifer issue was heating up. And uh, I worked with, you know, you guys a lot, have a ton of respect for you both and, uh, and my other colleagues at Mississippi State while I was a federal scientist. And I remember you all kind of court me and uh, Dr. Martin courting me as well, saying that we think that you'd have the skill set to begin to address some of these water issues that we're going to have on the forefront. And, uh, you know, providentially, I had a desire to try to build a, a program like I saw y'all building. And so I left in, um, I think it was 2012, USDA RS moved my office, you know, a couple hundred yards across the tracks and set up shop uh, as the first, like you'd mentioned, person with the agronomic understanding to begin to address uh, water issues in the state. And so I think that that may have been where it started. I think I was one of the first, you know, agronomists to, uh, which is a stretch. I know everybody laughs because I wasn't really trained as a classic agronomist. My, my background, ultimately PhD, was really in wheat science. But I'd worked with agronomists, and y'all kind of shepherded me along to think more like an agronomist. But everything was water-centric. How are we going to maximize yields and net returns with as little water as possible? Yeah, maybe, maybe you knew some agronomists. How about that? I, I knew some, yeah, yeah, and I played <laughs> one on TV. I felt like, you know, for at least a couple of years before I kind of got my feet under me, but y'all helped with that a lot. And so I, I think that that's where that kind of started. And then, uh, again, my perception was that, um, you know, some of the powers that be, I'm thinking about like Delta Council saw the potential and the need for um, – more uh, funding and opportunities to grow uh, water uh, research and extension efforts uh, across the Mid-South. And uh, so it looked like, again, from my perception, that they were intimately involved uh, in helping uh, to bring 
the you know it, we'll call it NCAR to uh, the Delta and the the resources that it would need to build a team of agronomists, um, engineers, economists. Uh, what else, brother? I mean, you said agronomist, economist, hydrologist, hydrologist. Yeah, yeah uh, both federal and state, state to yeah. start to address uh, those issues. In as Drew had already mentioned, in, in uh, concert with Mississippi State. So uh, that at least that's kind of how that's my perception of how those things kind of spun out. And then uh, the water, the Mississippi Water Resource Institute is a large network uh, that a lot of us don't know in the state. It's been in existence. I think the litigation that brought that into uh, effect was out of in eighty six, nineteen eighty six, and so uh, you know there, every state and province in the United States has a center. Most of the time, it is housed on a land grant uh, university. I mean, I think that you, your background at Texas A and M was through the water center, right. right? So uh, they have we have one at Texas A and M. It's a great, it's probably one of our leading programs uh, nationally for these institutes. It's, I know I try to mirror of a lot of what I do uh, at Mississippi State off what I saw Texas A&M do. Uh, and then myself, even when I was a student at Texas A&M, some of my projects were funded by the uh, the Water Resource Institute in Texas. So, again, those those institutes have been in play for a while. Uh, we work collectively, uh, collaboratively uh, across the United States uh, at times, specifically regionally with these Water Resource Institutes to address issues as well. And I think the unique thing for us, having me having an ARS background, uh, having really good friends at NCAR, having this USGS collective, is it really brings a lot of potential for our water group of scientists that work as, you know, we've always said that the team that worked the best, in my opinion, over the years has been the entomology group, right? I mean, they seem pretty seamless. And I would say that our, our water group uh, with both the Institute and NCAR have worked about as seamlessly as that, or definitely striving for that, and I think it's been really good. So, does that help? I mean, that's kind of like my history perception of it. Yeah. yeah. So, Drew, I know you got more folks at at the the in car in Stoneville than than what Jason does over here. So, I guess just highlight some of the programs that are either either currently ongoing, and I know we have yeah. some vacant positions right yeah, now. Yeah, we as have well. a couple of vacant positions. So, we have an economist Nico Quintana. Um, and he he is economist, but a little bit different than your you know your typical economist that you know that we've been used to at the research station. Just looking at you know the um, just so what he's he's looking at socioeconomic uh, analysis uh, of looking at so what the different decision makings. He he does a lot of work that that Jason has done in the past with some survey data and, and survey data that we just you know we're, one of the things we're doing here is is trying to get a new survey out there to look at perceptions of what water issues are, what are drivers to to have those um, adoptions increase, and, and why are they doing certain things or why are they not doing certain things, not from an economic standpoint um, as a big driver into it, but also from a from a perception and, and attitudes and, and, and different things that he's looking at. He's looking at some hydro uh, economic models as well, so, you know, looking at way into the future, if decisions that are being made with hydrology from a background information or how the aquifer reacts to certain things and being pumped, but also obviously having the economics that are affected by those certain um, uh, hydrology effects of, of over-pumping and looking in, in long term. And then we have Hemi Lowe, who's our irrigation engineer, uh, who has spent the last, uh, I guess, a couple years now looking at um, – 
soil moisture sensor uh, and looking at variability between, you know, one of the big, um, you know, acti- activities that you did, Jason was was pushing soil moisture sensors for scheduling, and so we what he's he's done is is looked at uh, watermark sensors. Uh, in, in a field side by side and looked at other types of sensors, drill and drops of the, the volumetric uh, probes as well to look at is there variability. So if I have two sensors that we're making schedules on and we put them all right next to each other, are they giving us the same numbers? What's the variability in the same soil type in the same field that are you know just a few feet apart from each other so we can fine-tune information that we know that the recommendations that we're giving and, and, and is there variability within that is there vari- variability within sensor and spacing and then uh, other types of sensors and then looking at um, you know trying to find easier ways user uh, grower friendly scheduling one of the I think reasons we have high adoption rates in soil moisture sensors is you know you just made it easy yeah, when it hits this number go um, and there's going to be some variability in that, but there's we're we're doing furrow irrigation and, and running water from the top end to the field, and it may take four days to get. I mean, there's variability in everything that we do, and so uh, a lot of the times, I, you know, colleagues in other states or engineers in, in other universities can argue over a hundredth of a decimal point on what's right and what's wrong, but when you give them something that's clear and easy to make decisions off you can see adoption be be increased. And so what he's looking at is looking at different rates of, uh, you know, the Syntec sensors are more of an interpretation of a graph. And if you have different rates of uh, dry down within that, within that soil moisture sensor, can we program something in there that we starts to tell us and makes it just a lot easier for a grower to use those sensors by just plugging in some information we have. So he collected a lot of sensor data and analyzing it and, and looking at, how um, we may be able to increase in usage of of those types of sensors. I've heard you talk a lot about working together collectively between the two organizations. I mean, that's that's a good term for it. Talk a little bit about, you know, the grantsmanship, how you're able to bring some of those dollars back and then collectively and constructively work together on research because that's really what we need from an irrigation and a water resource type management program and structure in the state of Mississippi. Yep. So I'll, I'll, I'll take a shot at that first. And so the, the, as you all know, y'all, we've all been in specialist rows, uh, and it is probably one of the most time consuming, difficult jobs that the university throws at us. And I know we all love it. And, and I loved it when I was in that role, but uh, I think y'all agree that when you're in it, you can hardly think it's, almost always reactionary. Um, and when I left that role and took this administrative role at Mississippi State, it was like it probably took about six, and very serious, like six months for the ringing to stop in my head. And I could start to think again uh, more clearly and more strategically, more long-term, and what are we really supposed to be doing as agronomists, water scientists, et cetera, in a state that has a pretty serious water quantity and quality problems, right? And so, in, and then what I thought would be really good and to do, it, and it's what I've really tried to focus on these last uh, couple years uh, specifically is to uh, focus on bringing uh, federal dollars back to the state to help our scientists uh, address those issues. And so one of the areas that we've collaborated on quite a bit is looking and and use federal dollars to do it. So 
uh, grant writing to uh, USDA and RCS, uh, US EPA, uh, NEFA, et cetera. We, we have collective projects with those three entities, and some of them like more than one. We got a couple of EPA projects, a couple of NRCS projects, uh, where um, I'll I'll spend uh, quite a bit of time with the um, thinking about how to package that, put those projects together, do all the admin uh, and writing components with that, and with assistance from the scientists that are extremely busy taking care of the clientele in the state. Uh, where I'm in the office, where I don't have to manage all those phone calls, package that. We we have uh, Drew and I both have folks. Uh, in place to help us in the editing of these because they've got to be almost perfect because we're going against Cornell, Purdue, uh, the, the most elite schools in the United States, right? I mean, and so everything's got to be nearly perfect. And so both of our writing teams are going back and forth to do that and then send them forth. And, and we brought you know, literally millions of dollars back to the state uh, to put them, uh, what I would say, to good use to addressing or water quality and quality issues with the con and our you know I think our overall arching team approach is to maximize yields and net returns with as little water as possible with as small environmental footprint as possible and you know and I, yeah. I don't think we've ever crisscrossed off that right we were always going to try to maximize our producers yields and net returns and the beautiful thing in the water quantity and quality arena I would say to date is that very often the programs that we uh, developed out of the science that we were executing in Mississippi State, they did just that. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, kind of going I mean, coming, going back to when I first got to Stoneville, I think one of the f- things that just jumped out to me the most was how well, I mean, cross disciplines people work together. And, and that you know, that's that's a huge help. And then, and you know, I, I don't want to go too far into the background. We talked a little about your, your background and engineers and the irrigation I did more hydrology and just I did groundwater as an as a master's and then worked for a groundwater management district and then I went in and and did got an agronomy degree for my PhD and I just never you know water was was the focus and that covers a lot of different things and so I I mean I think I I thought I was going through the process giving myself pretty broad strokes of looking where I want to do I know what I was passionate about but it's also sometimes it felt like well where did you fit in because you're a little bit of a of, of, of bunch of different things. And so here within the, the, the water center and focused specifically on groundwater issues in, and then looking at from an agri, agronomic standpoint, it just really, it, it, it kind of tied a bunch of things that I worked together into it, I think kind of helps that perspective. And so kind of long circle back way into, you know, how you work together. And then from a water standpoint and in other areas where I've been, like kind of the Folks, my experience working with water is that, that you they work with water, and and they didn't cross over with a lot of other people. And so not only did we have the Stoneville uh, folks there, that the faculty that we worked together across a lot of different things, but then you have a, you know, between the the faculty and scientists at NCAR, and then your the you know the institute um, on campus, a lot of people focused on water, which I think. With you have that same focus, then you have the same mindset of what you're talking about. Uh, you know, looking at um, profit, you know, maximizing profits and, and and maintaining yields, increasing yields, and and looking at what we can do to do that and and use the least amount of water as possible, um, save farmers time and money and, and all those things. And we have a huge a, a group. I mean, relatively a really right. big group from other universities that all focused on that. I think really help with. Comp- 
getting that narrative that we're trying to do from a grant standpoint that may help us be successful. But one thing that I think has been really great is not competing in a national uh, from a federal uh, grant and getting money in to do those things, but still working on applied decisions and, and tools that, that the growers can make decisions with that next season based on that's the information right. that we're getting. And, and that's, a, that's a hard – I think it's a hard thing to do, to be able to compete from a federal standpoint in the environmental and water world that still impact, that's not too far out in left field, that, that's, that's something that a grower may never use or make a decision off, at least in the next five years. And I think we've done a good job of marrying those two things together other things that we're working on. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I, again, I just kind of view it as a testament to the quality of scientists that we have at Mississippi State and the, the connectivity we have to our federal counterparts and their willingness to help us. I'm thinking both USGS and ARS because a lot of these, I mean, th- these these federal grants, a lot of time these federal scientists are working collectively with us and our, and our other land-grant uh, collaborators, right? I mean, a number of these projects uh, that we have and or have – uh, going out to try to procure, have had you know, LSU, uh, University of Arkansas, uh, and the University of Missouri. Jason and Drew, thanks. It's nice to be able to nail you down and talk about this because I think the water situation, the water issues in Mississippi, across Mississippi and throughout the state, will continue to be on the forefront and something that not only we need to consider from an extension standpoint, but research and working collaboratively within the university and then with our federal counterparts is certainly a necessary benefit of our positions. Well, thank you, gentlemen, and I apologize for just not getting to you, but I'm glad that we got to do it here. I'm glad that we got to do it on the edge of the campus of Mississippi State University, and it was good to see you again. Look forward to seeing you in Stonewall. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.